You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. So we've been in a series on mental health and the gospel, and we've taken the last four weeks or so to work through this topic of mental health. We began our first Sunday by looking at the mental health struggles from a 30,000 foot view, if you remember that. We, we just sort of zoomed back a little bit and, and, and got in the plane and got way up high and just looked down at mental health through the lens of the gospel. We defined mental health, we put on our gospel lenses, and we looked through the gospel to mental health. And we found that mental health, if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, if we have mental health struggles, it does not define us. Amen. That we are defined as a Christian who struggles with mental health, right? But it's not our definition. It's not who we are. We are children of God first and foremost. So we talked about that. Mental health doesn't define us. We talked about the fact that mental health doesn't take us off guard, right? That when we have mental health struggles, it doesn't take us off guard because we understand the gospel and we understand that we live in a broken world. And Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Then we also realized, and we looked at from this 30,000 foot view, that mental health struggles strengthen my relationship with Jesus. You see, the devil wants us to think the opposite is true, that if we have mental health struggles, that somehow that divides us from Christ that he wants nothing to do with us when in reality, Romans 8 says that God is working everything together for good and everything includes mental health struggles and that leads us to what? Being conformed to the image of Christ so it strengthens our relationship with Christ. It actually does the opposite of what the evil one and what the world is telling us that mental health does. So we were at a 30,000 foot view. Then the next two weeks, Pastor Bob came down to about a 10,000 foot view and he walked us through depression and anxiety. We looked at Psalms chapter, four, Psalms chapter 42. We looked at Matthew chapter six, verses 25 through 34. And we talked about at a 10,000 foot view, depression and anxiety. And so today, we're actually landing the plane, all right? Today is where the rubber meets the road. Today is, we're going to begin to think about, all right, how can we help someone who is struggling with mental health issues? Like, this is where it gets personal, right? This is where it's not this up in the sky kind of thing. This is where it gets down to our level, the people that we're interacting with. How do we help someone who is struggling with mental health? Well, here's a lie that I think many of us have bought into. And the lie when it comes to mental health struggles and helping people is that you can't help unless you're a professional. I think that's a lie that many of us have bought into. Unless you have 
numbers or you have numbers, unless you have letters before your name or after your name, you can't help somebody who struggles with mental health. Unless you have the term pastor as a part of your job description or counselor, you can't help. And I'm here to tell you today that is not true. And here's why it's not true, because the Bible calls us to a different thing. Look at these verses with me. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul calls us to bear one another's burdens. He doesn't add an exception clause, bear one another's burdens, if you have a degree in counseling. If you went to Bible college. No, no. He calls the church at Galatia to bear one another's burdens. Look at the next passage of scripture. Romans chapter 14, 15 and verse 14. Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. And listen to this. And able to instruct one another if you have a degree in counseling. Actually, this word, what's really neat about this word is actually you could translate it and able to counsel one another. So what Paul is calling the church at Rome to do is to counsel one another, to instruct one another. And he doesn't put an exception clause unless you don't have a degree in this, right? Unless you don't have pastor in your name or counselor. No, he says we can instruct one another. One other passage of scripture that I want you to see, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Let the word of Christ, the word of God, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing hymns, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Again, Paul calls us to admonish. This is again the idea of a counseling, the idea of helping one another. So here's what I want you to know this morning. God calls all of us to help. God calls all of us to help. Whether you have a degree or don't have a degree. Whether you feel like you've got something to offer or you don't have something to offer, God calls all of us to help with mental health struggles. We're all a part of the journey together. And so if God's called us all to help, the question I want to answer today then is this, how can we help? And this is the foreword. So kids, if you've got your notes, I want you to pull them out and I'm gonna start working through these words. And parents, you can help them write the words if they don't know how to write yet, um, you can help them. So the first word, and I, before I jump to the first word, let me tell you where I got this. I got this from a book called Instruments in the Hands of the Redeemer by Paul Tripp. So I have my master's in biblical counseling and way back in the day, I had to read this book and it's been one of the most helpful books for me in helping think through personal ministry and counseling people and helping people. And so if you go to that book, you're gonna see these four words and there's chapter after chapter about these four words and I'm gonna try to do it in like 15 minutes, all right? So buckle up, here we go. The first word that we, when we think about how we can help, this is the first and foundational word that we must think about. The first word is love. Look at what 2 Corinthians chapter 13 
and verse two says, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I know everything about mental health struggles and why they come, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I but have not love, I am nothing. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is not talking about marriage. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about the church. And he's saying, this is how we're to love one another. And so he says, we can have all the right answers basically, but if we don't have love, it's no good. It's nothing. And so the first thing that we have to understand and how do we help people who are struggling with mental health struggles is we have to first love them. Loving them, listen, is not trying to fix them. Say that. Loving them is simply coming alongside them and helping them. I think this is where we get off task sometimes is that we want to fix everybody. And there's a naturalness to us that when we see someone that's hurting, we want to fix the problem. But, but that's not truly love. Because if I'm trying to fix the problem, what it does is it makes it about me. And it makes me the savior. It makes me the hero as opposed to if I'm just kind to come alongside them and help them, what we're doing is together, the one that's struggling and the one that's helping the one, we're both putting it into God's hands and saying, God, you're the one that ultimately can help. You're the one that can ultimately fix the problem. And so loving them is not having a mentality of I'm gonna fix you. Loving them is having a mentality of I'm here to help you. I'm here to come alongside you and walk this journey with you. And so think about the person that you're helping, the person that you know is, has mental health struggles. Do they know that you love them? Like if I were to bump in them in the hallway and we're talking to them and they could save you, you know what? This person, they love me. I know that they love me. But here's, here's the struggle. The struggle is that a lot of times the person who needs help doesn't want help, right? And this is where it gets hard. But this is where the gospel, to be transparent with you, changes how we view people that we're helping. Because 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, John says this to us, and this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then he says in verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So what is he saying? He's saying, listen, if you're thinking of helping somebody, it doesn't come from the love that you can muster up for them. It comes from the fact that God loved you even when you were a sinner and didn't want his love. That God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so how we love people that maybe don't even want to be helped, we don't love from their, the reciprocation of their love. We love because we're full of Christ's love. And because he loved us, we get the opportunity to love others. So here's the way I would say it. Don't, it's not based on their performance, our love for them. It's based on Christ's love for us. So it begins with this one word, love. Love is the foundation 
to helping people. If you don't love them, you're not going to be able to help them. This is why Jesus would even say in Matthew that we are to love our enemies and do good to those who hate us. Why? Because it comes from Christ's love for us. So how can we even help those who hate us? Because Christ loved us. So that's the first word, love. Second word for you to write down is the word no. No, so you got love, the first one, that's the foundation, then no. Here's, here's how Proverbs puts it in Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. If one gives an answer before he hears it, it is, it is his folly and shame. So the next step in helping is not just love, but then you have to know. I think we're really good at assuming we know rather than actually knowing what's going on. Uh, parents, I think we're probably the worst at this. As we help our kids walk through seasons of life, we oftentimes as parents assume that we know what's going on. And so if you would just put your phone away, if you would just not be on social media, if you would just not do these things, and we, we put our assumptions on our kids or on our students like we know, when in reality, we haven't taken time to really get to know them, right? Amen. We haven't taken time to ask questions that are heart level questions. We haven't taken time to spend with them. It, it's the old adage, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Amen. And so we've got to get to know them so that we, they know that we care for them. I think when you're asking questions, one of the good things to do is think this with two words. Think internal and external. When you're getting to know someone, think internal and external. So what are the situations going on in their life? What are the responses to those situations? So as you look at the big picture and you're looking at, you're looking externally what's going on in their life. What are the situations? What are the responses to the situations? Then you come over to the other side and you want to get to eventually the internal. You want to get to the motives you want to get to their heart. You want to get to the way that they're thinking. So you've got external responses, situation. You've got internal, this idea of how they are thinking and what are their motives for the things that they're doing. So we ask questions that are pulling that out. This yesterday, I uh, went to a grad party. And, you know, this is the season of grad parties that you go to. And so I entered the address in my Google Maps and I thought I knew where the party was, but I put it in there anyways, right? Because it's like, I know where I'm going. I think I know where I'm going, but I'm going there. And so I get in the car and the map keeps telling me to go to an area that it's like, I don't really think the party is there, right? Like, and so I, but I follow the map and as I follow the map, I get back into this neighborhood and I'm like, I'm, I don't really don't think the party is there, but I keep driving around as if I'm going to find the party. So I get to the general area and like, there's no cars. And so then at that moment, I felt bad. Like maybe nobody came to their grad party and that I feel bad for them at that moment. And then it was like, well, maybe I need to check the grad invite. And when I looked at the check grad, the invite, what I found was 
I had went to the wrong address. I'd put in 110th Street and it actually was on 100 Terrace, right? So I was five miles from where I was supposed to be because I thought I knew where I was going. And here's the deal. A lot of us, when we're trying to help people, we're in the wrong neighborhood, right? Because we haven't taken time to really get to know them because we're trying to answer a question before we've asked the question and we're hanging out in the wrong neighborhood and we're frustrated by the fact that they're not seeming to progress or they're not, they're not getting better. And the problem is we're in the wrong neighborhood because we haven't taken time to get to know them. We haven't taken time to ask. So love, know, and then the fourth, third word is speak. Love, know, speak. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. But verse 15 says, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head in to Christ. So the next step in this idea of helping, after we, we love them, after we've asked good questions, we're getting to know them, then we give us, it gives us the opportunity to, as the scripture said, speak the truth. And, and, and it's interesting, in love, right? We're going back to the foundation. What does it mean to speak the truth? To speak the truth is simply to speak the word of God. Here's how it says in Ephesians, and let me, let me take you to Ephesians first. Ephesians chapter four and verse 21 says this, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, this is Jesus, as the truth is in Jesus. So where do we find the truth? We find the truth in Jesus. Jesus in John chapter 17 in verse 17, as he's praying for us, says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So if we're gonna speak the truth to them, it is the idea that we are speaking the word of God to them. When we speak the word of God to them, what we do is we give them hope because we're speaking to them something that is eternal. Our words are temporary, but the word of God is eternal. And when we speak the truth, that's not just, well, I got to confront them. No, no. To speak the truth is I'm going to speak the word of God to them and I'm going to do it in love. I'm going to speak the truth in love. Bob has modeled this for us the last two weeks as he's talked through depression and he took us to Psalms chapter 42. He did it when he talked about anxiety and he, he took us to Matthew chapter six, verses 25 through 34. What was he doing? He was speaking the truth in love. He could have got up here and given us a lot of good takeaways and a lot of things that we could go out there and do. But the best thing that Bob could have done for us as we thought through depression, as we thought through anxiety, was to speak the truth. And speaking the truth is speaking the word of God. 
And so as we think about helping and we think about we have to speak the truth, I think a good question for us to think through is what does the person need to see from the gospel that they can't see? What does the person need to see from the gospel that they can't see? Because of the clouds of depression, because of the clouds of anxiety that hang over their head and hang over their mind, how do we need to speak the truth of the word of God? What can they not see that they need to see? Think about it in in regards to school. If you go to school, and, and I was never good at math or science, so I was very much at the bottom of my class in math and science. But in math and science, you, you have equations, right? And you love, the teachers love the kids, and they get to know the kids. They ask questions as the kids are working through the problems. But eventually, the teacher has to speak the truth. If they're watching the student do a math equation or work through a science project and they're doing it all wrong, they can't just sit there and be like, oh, that's okay. Wherever you end up, that's good. No, right? Because why? There's an ultimate answer to that. There's an ultimate uh, solution to that science project. And so the teacher has to speak the truth in love to them and say, this is where you're off. This is where you're not thinking right. The same thing is true as we help people is we have to be willing at one moment to say, listen, let me speak the truth in love to you. Now, here's what I would say with this. Speak to God first, then speak to the person. I have found that when I'm counseling people or when I get in a frustrating situation with my home life or I get frustrated with someone in our church, it helps before I go to speak the truth in love that I talk to God about it first. That I go to him and say, God, this is what I'm thinking through, right? This is, uh, this is what I feel like the person needs to hear, but I wanna do it with love And I want to do it with the heart of compassion, knowing them. And so, Lord, help me. And then give it time. And then I speak the truth in love. So speak to God before you speak to the person. The last word, and we'll be done. Love, know, speak. And then the last is do. This is probably the most frustrating part of helping people is do. Because here's what James chapter 1 says says in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. So as we seek to help people, we can't just stop with speaking the truth. We have to hold them accountable to live out the truth. And this is where it gets really frustrating. Because it's like you want to, you know the truth, you've spoke the truth to them, you've given them Psalms 42, right? You've talked about Matthew 6, and now it's like they've got to put that into action. They've got to begin to think that way, and that's where it gets really frustrating. But it's what we have to do if we're going to help people. Here's how Paul helps us think through this in Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 22, after he says this, assuming that you'd heard about him, who you were taught in as the truth is in Jesus, he says, put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, renovate your mind, take out the old man, put in the new man. And it says in verse 24, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. 
So we have to take out the old and we've got to put in the new. This is where this do step comes in. That we have to call people to put off the old desires and to be renewed in their mind, to take out the old drywall and put in the new drywall that they have in Christ, which this takes us all the way back to the 30,000 foot view. That mental health struggles strengthen my relationship with Christ. So as somebody helping them, I don't have to fix them. The goal of my helping them ultimately is that their relationship with God will be strengthened. That's why I'm calling them to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. Because it puts it into action. We have to call them to do, to live out the word because it will strengthen their relationship. We're never going to get rid of the problem as long as we live in a broken world. But we can have a strong relationship with Christ as we deal with the problem. And that's what this is. It strengthens my relationship with Christ. Now, here's the deal. We fall on one of two of these sides, right? Like typically if we're helping people, either we're really good at loving and knowing, compassion, or we're really good at speaking and doing, right? So either we, we have the compassion and we love them and we listen really well, but we never transition to speaking the truth. We never transition to doing side of it, of calling them to accountability. And some of us are really good at this side. Like we can't wait to speak the truth in love, right? Like we're on the edge of our seat and we can't wait to hold them accountable, but we have no compassion. There's no love. There's no really getting to know the person. And so I would call you today as we help people to think about this idea that do you have compassion? Do you love and know? And do you have courage to speak and to hold them accountable to do? So I want you to think about the person that you help or the person that you should help. And I want you to think about these four words. And what is one of the words that you say, you know what, this is a word that I I think I'm doing well at. Maybe it's knowing them, like you're good at asking questions and spending time. Or, or maybe you're good at this speaking the truth. Like you know what the word of God has to say in those moments. And that's what you're good at. But then I want you to think about which word do you not, which word are you not as good at? Okay. Which word could you grow in? Maybe it's the love, right? You're just so frustrated that you need to go back to the foundation of just having a heart of love for them. Which word for you is one that you could grow at? Here's the interesting thing about helping people is that in reality, you're in a room full of people who need help (laughs) because we're all broken by this the sin of this world. We're all live in a broken world. There's not one person, not even the guy standing on the stage today doesn't need help. And so we're all in need of God's grace. We're all in need of help. Amen. And so the verse that comforts all of us in this moment is Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And I want you to stand with me. And we're gonna end our service by reading this verse together because this is ultimately where whether you're the helper 
or you're the one who needs help. This ultimately is what we all have to come to. This is ultimately where we all have to go. And it's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Let's read it together. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, thank you that whether we're a helper in the room or we're one who needs help, that we can come to you and find rest for our souls. And so I pray for the person in this room that is struggling with mental health. May they come to you and find rest for their souls. For the one in this room that is helping someone with mental health, may they come to you and find rest for their souls. We need you, Lord. And we thank you that your word speaks into the very depths of our heart and our life and our mind and that you are helping us through your word and through the Holy Spirit and through this body of believers to live the life that you've called us to do. Help us to love, know, speak, and do. So ultimately, you will be made much of in our church and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to antiochbbc.org. That's antiochbbc.org. God's best to you.